0: Welcome to The Church We Fight For, Universal, Inclusive, and Just, where we examine not what the Catholic Church is against, but what the Catholic Church stands for. Hey everyone, welcome to The Church We Fight For podcast. This church that we're fighting for is Universal, Inclusive, and Just. I'm joined here by my co-host. We're actually going to remain anonymous for a little while, just so we can speak freely.
1: Well, there's a reason why we want to speak freely, and that is because we love the Church, and it's important to understand our definition of the Church. The Church is, as the Second Vatican Council told us, the people of God, and it includes all of us, warts and all. Oftentimes, we hear of the Church, and certain sections of the Church speak of the Church simply as the magisterium or the bishops, and that the rest of us are just pray-and-obey kind of Catholics, and that's not what we're about, and we'll give you our anonymous curriculum vitae in just a few moments, but we want to say why we're doing this, and the reason why we're doing this is it is so easy to get an impression of the church right now that we are simply a church that is against things. We are against women. We are against abortion We are against gay rights. We are against transgender. We are against anything that could possibly be conceived as a liberal agenda. And the reality of our church and of our church's teaching is, for many of those things, that is fundamentally false. And we want to speak freely to say that our church is very much for many things. We are for the poor. We are for immigrants. We are for labor. And the right of labor to organize. And all of these things are rooted deeply in our tradition. Right now, if you listen to the Bishops' Conference in the United States, you'd find that hard to believe. And we want to fight that a little bit. We want to let you know right off the bat, we do not have an imprimatur. These are our opinions. But unlike common things in the world right now, all opinions are not equal. If you Listen to Twitter, or read Twitter, or follow many social media sites. Everybody thinks that their opinion should carry equal weight. Well, we would disagree with that. There's a reason why we want to share our opinion, and that is because we are both educated on the graduate level in the church, and one of us was educated by Augustinians, one of us by Jesuits, and we feel that our master's degree in the the theological field give our opinions slightly more weight than the average person. Not to mean that the average person's opinion doesn't matter, but in the same way I could argue with my doctor about the need to lose weight, my doctor's opinion means more than mine does, and we want to share that.
0: And both of us have, I mean, not only graduate degrees in theology, but also a long history with the Church. Both of us are cradle Catholics. You can give that as much weight as you want. But I know speaking for myself, I went through Catholic education as a child. Then I went to public school, and then I was in faith formation. Then I went to college, where even in undergrad, I studied theology and communication, and then went on to grad school. So beyond that, I mean, just even my formation growing up was very Catholic. And then beyond that, you know, postgraduate work, worked in the church. I've worked in ministries at the parish level and at the diocesan level. So I've I know I've seen a lot, and I've worked with a lot of different people in the church, and I've heard a lot of stories, because if we go all the way back to Jesus, that's what ministry is. It's about listening to people's stories. And I think some of those stories are where this podcast was born out of, because people are hurt by the church.
1: But we are still cautiously, I'll say, optimistic about the future of the church, Part of my background is having worked close to 30 years in church ministry, and as part of that, I have worked with many different bishops. I have seen the best, and frankly, I will admit, I have seen the worst. I have seen bishops that use their crozier to gather the flock together in unity and purpose and love, and I've seen bishops swing a crozier in order to keep people in line with whatever their particular agenda happens to be. Right now, in our country, We've got a golden opportunity to look at the church in a deeper way. For the first time in almost 60 years, we have a president who is a practicing Catholic. And while many of our bishops would like to say he doesn't count because he isn't fighting for a law to oppose abortion, we're going to argue that he does count because, like all Catholics, he lives out his faith as best he can with the tools he's been given and with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And I think oftentimes many in the hierarchy in the church think that the only they are the only ones that have a line to the Holy Spirit, and the rest of the census fidelium just has to obey. And that really isn't true. Any even casual read of church history Will acknowledge that there have been bishops and Roman pontiffs who have been far from full of the Holy Spirit. Yet the church survives. So to think now in our modern world, our current crop of bishops have the Holy Spirit nailed and the rest of us are wrong in certain areas probably isn't true. One of the things that both of us learned in our theological studies is that deep down in the best traditions of our church, the church wants us to think. In order to study graduate-level theology, it's expected that you have a background in philosophy because philosophy Mm -hmm. teaches you to think. And it's unfortunate right now that we have people coming out of theological programs who have been taught to think that immediately upon their using their brain are told to be quiet.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We're not going to do that. We are not in opposition to the church, but we might be a voice that occasionally sounds that way.
0: We're fighting for the church and the beauty of the church. You know, we talk about the breadth and the depth of Catholicism, yet we so often close our eyes to the all encompassing world that is Catholic and Catholic with the little c, the universal. That is who the Catholic Church is, it is a universal church. And to say to anyone that you're good, you're bad, that's not our job. We're not, our job is not to separate people, you know, we're not to sh- separate the sheeps from the goats. That's God's job. And so we are fighting for this church. We are fighting for this church that is universal, inclusive, and just, because that is what the world needs today. The church was meant to be a beacon of light in the world. That's what Jesus wanted. Jesus did not establish the church so that Mother Church could have all of her ducklings in a row. Even Jesus's apostles weren't all in a row at read all Read the Acts <laughs> of
1: the Apostles. If you ever think there was a golden age where the church was always in agreement, read that. Read the letters of St. Paul. Most of them were dealing with problems in the early church. And from a political standpoint, read some of those excerpts from the Acts of the Apostles and how the community lived. It doesn't really jive with the far-right political atmosphere in the United States right now. In fact, they would be called socialist or communist. No, they were Christian. Mm-hmm. And we need to remind ourselves of that once in a while. Another thing that often gets forgotten in the church is that, and this is based on longstanding and ancient tradition, that if with an informed conscience, your informed conscience tells you that you need to be contrary to the church, you are bound by your conscience to follow that and go against the church you wouldn't know that right now by listening to many of our bishops.
0: Particularly after an election year where we weren't told how to vote.
1: In some parishes, people were. In
0: some parishes, people were. That is not the—the church's role is to help us inform our conscience. It is not to be our conscience. And I think in many ways— Unfor- it's unfortunate, but I think in many ways, the hierarchy of the church is looking at the people in the pews as people who cannot think for themselves. And I think if you have a con- any of, anyone, anyone who sits in the pews, have a conversation with them. The faith that is written on their heart is deeper than any law that the church could put out because that experience of God is the first thing that informs our faith and it is hard I know it's hard for me as a lifelong catholic to reconcile how my experience of God in my life and the experience of God that the church wants me to have are sometimes very different when i say the church i should probably we should probably do a, a good job of distinguishing between the church which is the body of christ all the people, all the believers. Um, I love the church. The hierarchy can get under my skin sometimes though.
1: And let's be perfectly honest with this conversation. At the root of many of the problems in the church is the concept of authority and what is authentic authority versus what is enforced authority. The scriptures tell us Jesus taught with authority and not like the scribes and Pharisees. And what does that mean? It means that he had the words of the author, the father. And those words spoke a truth that people recognized immediately. The problem right now in many areas of the church is that authority is actually, in reality, clericalism. And what clericalism is holding on to power. It's about having a place of prestige where we can feel that all we need to do is listen and we don't need to think Mm -hmm. and you can see it in i i hate to say this many of our young clergy for they're attracted to the church not necessarily out of the need to be a servant but out of a need for power well what has that led to It's led to almost 30 years of constant sexual abuse stories on the news. It's led to thousands upon thousands of people leaving the church. Oftentimes, the bishops think if they retrench and make things more rigid, they're going to keep people around. Yet, every time that happens, they drive more people Mm -hmm. out. And I'm not just saying this because it's my opinion watch all you need to do is watch I have seen parishes around our state in particular but around the country when a young cleric is brought in who brings his particular rigidity to the parish the parish slowly dies and what do we hear well that's because they're not faithful to the church and that's hogwash plain and simple
0: 'Cause those churches have a history and they've been doing fine for a long time before that individual, you know, enters into the enters onto the scene. And I, I think it does a disservice too to where so much is put on the parish. Oh, your people don't know what you know, what the Eucharist is. Oh, clearly the parish has done a terrible job, you know, educating. There are some things that parishes in particular they need the help of the of the diocese they need the help of these in, the institution itself but i think sometimes the institution is willing to crap on the parish and say you didn't do a good job it's your fault that people are leaving the church you should have tried harder that is
1: a very earthy way of saying it but notice even how many of the surveys are done in the church in the united states They are done at the diocesan level or on the parish level, but there is never a broad survey done on what the people's opinions are of the bishops' conference or some of the teachings that have come from there. And I think, frankly, it's because they don't want to hear the answer, because they might find out that they have become so out of touch that, in reality, people don't care what they have to say, and that's unfortunate. Because there are many things that the bishops could say, speaking on tradition, that would be informative and life-giving to the Church. Mm
0: -hmm. But you've got to wade through—I mean, again, though, it goes back to why we're doing this podcast. We want to know what the Church stands for. It's so, 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 so easy to be against things— because you don't really, you don't have to stick your neck out to be against something. But if you stand for something, people—if you stand up and you stand for something, people know who to target. Then they know they know what that person stands for. And we even had a conversation um, yesterday. The uh, there's an article that came out of American Magazine saying you know the bishops' conference is going to vote in June on whether or not to deny communion to President Biden and. One of the conversations, you know, we had was, is this a situation like you, like I could write my bishop and say, please vote no on proposal, on the communion proposal with the president, like I would write my representatives or my senators. Or if I do that, does that then put a target on my back to say, deny her communion? Like
1: Here's the worst part of that, though, and it's twofold. The first part is the Eucharist is not a weapon that we use. I mean, if we want to look at tradition, let's look at some scripture, too. We know we're not fundamentalists, but this scripture is not about a fundamentalist approach. It's about what Jesus truly taught. Stop judging and you won't be judged. Stop condemning and you won't be condemned. Well, that sounds pretty damn judgmental to me. The second part of it, and the one that is also a little bit insidious, is that the bishops will often speak that, the, that Catholics don't understand what the Eucharist is in real presence, Well, if you are going to deny or give the Eucharist to someone, you don't understand it either, because the Eucharist is not a thing. It is the living, breathing, transformative body of Christ present in the church. And I'm going to make this argument. The bishops don't have the authority to prevent someone from receiving. They may think they do, but that's only because we've given that authority to them. They don't. We don't have ID cards. We don't have litmus tests for who is a good Catholic and who isn't. I was in a parish not that long ago where the pastor got up at a funeral and said, for those of you who are Catholics in good standing, this is how we're going to distribute Holy Communion. So I didn't go to communion because I don't know if I met his standard. My guess is he doesn't meet his own standard either. There's something truly sick about that. Jesus gave himself freely to us, and we're restricting it. Is that really what he meant at the Last Supper? Doubtful.
0: This is my body given up for you. And there's no qualifiers. If you're perfect. Yeah, there's no qualifiers. You who have done X, Y, and Z. You who are perfect. You who have not missed a Sunday even through the pandemic. There are things.
1: We have become the Pharisees standing next to the poor woman who's praying in the temple. Mm -hmm. Thank God I am not like... Thank God I'm not like him, that neighbor of mine who I know is a sinner. I pray right. I live right. I'm a
0: Pharisee. So we could go on for hours about this, but luckily, um, we're going to come back to some of the, luckily, I don't know, unluckily, for those of you who are listening, Um, we're going to circle back to some of these topics um, because we are, we're going to cover a wide range of topics on the podcast you know things like um next week you know next episode we're going to be talking about the mass and what does it what what is the mass why is it important um you know we'll talk about racial injustice not because it's a hot topic but because the church should be on the leading edge of this the church the church knows injustice the church has experienced injustice so the fact that the church is not on the leading edge leading marches for racial justice is beyond me. But again, that's a whole other podcast episode. We'll talk about immigration. We'll talk about scripture. We'll talk about tradition. We'll talk about clericalism. The things that matter, the things that weigh on the hearts of the Pew Catholics, you know, the people who show up, come to Mass. We're just going through life doing our best, but we are disciples.
1: We also want to make sure that you don't think we are simply negative. We actually want to show the exact opposite, that we are very positive about the Church, following our definition of all of the people of God. And we'll do our best, at least in every episode of this podcast, to give at least one example that we've come across of a Catholic or an individual from one of our parishes living out their faith in a way that is just, in a way that is loving, compassionate, and Christlike.
0: So we hope you'll stick with us. Um, And if you have topics that you would love to hear discussed on the podcast, um, check the description. We'll put the email address in there that you can send us ideas, and we would be happy to discuss them. Um, Because again, the church is universal. The church is the body of Christ, and there are things that need to be discussed, and we love to talk. And I love to do research, so for me to get out an old school book, I'm excited to do that, to look at the Catholic perspective. What does the Church really stand for?
1: When, when you communicate with us, and we're glad to do so, there's one thing we need to say, though, and that is, don't question our Catholicism because of what we're saying. You can disagree with us, and that is fine, but nobody has a handle on what it means to be Catholic unto themselves. And a wise friend of mine once said, and so we will not be responding to you, don't get in a pissing contest with a skunk, and we're not going to do it. If you want to have a dialogue and you find some flaws in our argument, we would be glad to listen to them. But you know what? We're moving ahead. We're not looking behind. And our world right now is so full of you're either this side or that side, and the rest of you don't count. We're not going to play that game.
0: So thank you for joining us. And I think in order to end every episode on a positive note, we are going to end in prayer. So as we go forward, we can remain steadfast in standing up for what we believe in and for being known for what we stand for rather than what we are against. So let us pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together and examine what it means to be a disciple and examine what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. Lord, sometimes it is hard, and you know how hard it is. So we just ask that you walk with us as we go through life, as we look for ways to serve not only you, but the poor and the vulnerable. And help us to recognize truth, your truth in everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on The Church We Fight For, Universal, Inclusive, and Just.